Our reading today is from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you all in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. If someone were to ask you to tell the Easter story, my guess is you would probably tell the one from the Gospel of John. You know this one the best. It makes for all the good paintings and sculptures because it has the most concrete details. Mary weeps outside the tomb, and then she sees Jesus with her own eyes. Jesus speaks to her, and she hears his voice. She runs to embrace him and touches his body. Then she understands and believes and she goes out and proclaims with assurance in her voice. It's a story full of certainty. There is no doubt that new life has come in John's account. It takes place in a garden for crying out loud. Mark's story of the resurrection is different. There's no seeing or hearing or touching Jesus. His body is nowhere to be found. And there is no certainty here. The women are terrified and astounded, and they say nothing to anyone. I don't think they understand, let alone believe, all they know is that the body is no longer in the tomb. It's terror and confusion and loose ends here in Mark's story. And this, too, is resurrection. In fact, consider with me this morning 
that resurrection is actually about uncertainty. See, in Mark's telling, these women start off certain. Certain that Jesus is dead. They aren't happy about it, of course, but they understand. That's the way life goes. It's nasty, brutish, and short. Death is final. Imagining anything different is futile. The body is in the tomb. They can count on that. Except they can't. The stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. And there sits a man they've never met who says, Jesus is not here. He has been raised and you will see him. Who among us wouldn't be astounded with terror? Who here wouldn't flee? Because if you can't even count on a dead body to stay in its tomb anymore, what can you count on? What else do you need to rethink and re-examine? Death. We understand that. We fear it and we loathe it, but we understand it. But life, life that death cannot destroy, real and true and unconquerable life, it amazes, it terrifies. We're confused by it and afraid too because we don't know the ending anymore. See, the way I live, I like to write the ending myself. I don't know about you, but I am quite good at writing stories with dead ends. I don't like being disappointed, so I keep my expectations low. The future, it's big and scary and out of my hands, and so I try to put a little control on it by writing a dead-end story. Because you can always count on despair and desolation and death. If you expect to see them, you can be certain that they'll find the time to show up in your story. Last April, I found myself thinking, well, I should just get used to being in the house because it's going to be five years minimum before we get a vaccine. And then I couldn't get up off the couch. This year, as I anticipate moving, I find myself thinking, you're just going to screw it up. You're just going to regret it. And then it feels like someone has tied a knot around my body. Ryan will tell you that I lie awake at night many nights, just imagining the looming misery we're all going to have to live through as climate change makes food more scarce and diseases and disasters more abundant and wars more likely. And he'll tell you that I never lie awake 
dreaming about what it will take to stop those most severe outcomes and how I can be a part of it. A hopeful, open-ended story like that, it's too uncertain. A dead-end story, it's more dependable. And I know you know this impulse, too. You've written your own dead endings to the stories that you're living. You come up with reasons to stop before you start. Your futures are unknown and largely out of your control, and so it's easier to find dead-end stories to inhabit. And yeah, they're unpleasant, but at least you understand them. And at least they're reliable. You say, I'm never going to measure up. My best isn't good enough. I could have been something, but I squandered it all, and now my life isn't worth a can of beans. They'll never change, you say about an estranged family member. So why bother to forgive? You say, I'm never going to shake this shame. It's my burden to bear. I'm stuck feeling this way for good. You say the same people always end up with power, so why try to change the world? Nothing I do can possibly make a difference. You say there's nothing to look forward to now that my health has changed. I will never feel joy again now that my loved one has died. You say, I'm a bad parent, a bad spouse, a bad child, a bad person, and this is what happens to bad people. I deserve this dead-end story. Why hope? Why hope for anything else? Hope feels uncertain. It's not enough to go on. It's a risky, risky bet. And we know the house always wins in the end. It's safer to place our money on death. Safer to take our stories and preemptively lock them up. Put our dead ends in a tomb and roll a stone over them. We can be certain we know where we'll find them. Except we can't. Resurrection rolls the stone away, and with it, the certainty we crave. Resurrection empties our tombs of the dead endings we write. It tells us that everything is back in play again. Resurrection means that we don't get to write the ending anymore. Look at these women. They're at the tomb to write the ending, the safe bet ending, where death and despair win. They are prepared to go through those well-worn motions of counting up the losses and feeling the pain as they acknowledge death's reality and power. They are there to grieve Jesus, to put the story of their friendship with him next to his body in the tomb close it up with a gravestone, and then move on. It hurts, but they know what they're doing.
They understand it. But when they arrive, the stone has already been rolled away, and the tomb is empty, and instead of writing the ending, they get sent back to the beginning. Because this stranger tells them to go to Galilee, the first place where they met Jesus. And the story that they were ready to close the book on has suddenly reopened. And as terrified as they are of death, they realize that they are more terrified of new life. Because this new life that they see in the empty tomb is an unwritten story. A story that is larger than them. A story that they cannot control. A story that death cannot end. A story of real and true and unconquerable life. It is God's story they meet here in the empty tomb. And God is not content with dead ends. And it's scary enough that God's story stays open and unfinished. But what's most terrifying to these women is that now they've become a part of it. They're well acquainted with the dealings of death. They're well acquainted with a story that ends. They know how that works. But to become part of an unfolding story, a story that they don't understand, a story that makes them rethink and re-examine everything, it is the most shaky and uncertain they've ever been. To follow the one who was supposed to be lying in the tomb? There's no precedent for this. No guardrail to hold on to. No plague book to draw from. Only the stone that couldn't stand in the way of God's story. And the tomb that couldn't end the life that started in Jesus. That's what they have to go on. It's terrifyingly meager, and it's also enough. God makes it enough. We don't know what happened to Mary and Mary and Salome after this. A fearful silence holds them in these verses. But we can trust that at some point, they did tell somebody that at some point they embraced the uncertain, unsettling ground of resurrection hope and spoke up. And it is their honest witness that gives the ending to Mark's gospel. And no, this ending doesn't have the concrete details of the Gospel of John. No touching or seeing or hearing. No risen body of Jesus. But it's still resurrection in the fullest sense. Because Mark's ending is really a beginning. For these women and for us too. I don't know if you heard it. But hidden in this stranger's announcement in the tomb is a promise. We don't get to see the body of Jesus. We just get the promise. And here it is. Jesus is going ahead of you.
that's what they have to go on. That's the story we're living. You might not see his body now, but he is ahead of you. Fear and terror hold the day, but he is ahead of you. The world is unfair and cruel. The data doesn't warrant hope, but he is ahead of you. Jesus is ahead of you when the marriage dissolves, the job doesn't pan out, the money dries up. Jesus is ahead of you when you don't turn away from your neighbor's suffering, when you dare to name the uncomfortable truth, when you take to the streets because change is worth the mess. Jesus is ahead of you in your farewells, in your starting overs, in the transitioning of roles. Jesus is ahead of you when the grief doesn't move, when you can't take back when you've said, when the regret keeps you up at night. He's ahead of you when the phone rings unexpectedly, when the doctor says the disease has taken a turn for the worse, when you gather in shocked silence at the graveside. And Jesus is ahead of you when you draw your final breath. We don't know the ending. It is God's to write. But we receive the promise that Jesus will be there, risen and unconstrained by death. And so we join these women and make the foolish gamble to bet on life, becoming part of God's unfolding story of love and healing and hope that flows through this whole universe. Amen.